Hey there, thank you so much for listening to the first episode of the Niftiest Podcast. This is the short version of the episode, which contains the highlights of my conversation with Metageist. If you'd like to hear our full conversation, make sure to listen to the extended version of the episode, which will be available in the same feed soon if it's not already there. All right, let's get into the show. Welcome to the Niftiest Podcast. This is the show where we get inside the minds of the visionaries, creators, and architects building the world of Web3 and NFTs. I'm your host, JT, aka Niftiest. I'm an NFT collector and a creative. I host the Niftiest channel on TikTok and elsewhere. And before I introduce our amazing guest, let me just address a couple of important bits of housekeeping. A disclaimer first, the Niftiest podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only, and nothing in the show should be taken as investment advice. If you do choose to purchase NFTs or cryptocurrency, please do so at your own discretion after having done your own thorough research and with the knowledge that NFTs and cryptocurrencies are volatile markets that involve a high degree of risk. You should also know that as an NFT collector myself, I do own an NFT by today's guest, who I'm excited to introduce now. Please welcome Lee Mason, aka Metageist. Metageist has been a graphic and web designer and illustrator for 20 years. After discovering VR art programs, he pivoted to focus on creating art for the metaverse with metaverse native tools. Since getting into the NFT space in February of 2020, Lee has come to see himself as a world builder, storyteller, and digital sculptor. Thematically, many of Lee's works explore his fears of us disappearing into digital realities while the old world collapses around us. Lee is on all major NFT platforms as a creator, as well as a keen collector and curator of digital art. You can find Metageist on Instagram as Metageist underscore, that's M-E-T-A-G-E-I-S-T underscore, and on Twitter at Metageist VR. I highly recommend visiting his social media channels now if you're not familiar with his work already so that you can get an idea of some of the really awesome projects he's involved in and that we'll be talking about throughout the show. Lee Mason, aka Metageist, welcome to the Niftiest Podcast. Thank you very much. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me as well. We actually met last year at Dreamverse, which was concurrent with NFT NYC. We actually ran into each other a number of times and had a lot of great conversations. Yeah, we did. So as I was uh, putting together this podcast, I thought you would be an awesome first guest because I knew we would have a whole lot to talk about. And you are involved in so many really awesome projects that I'm really excited to talk about today. Very briefly, I wonder if you could just rattle off a couple of your projects that you think you're best known for. Yeah, sure. um, I was lucky enough to get into Super Rare quite early, so I've got a few sort of one-on-ones on there. But where it really sort of blew up was getting onto Nifty Gateway about a year and a half ago. I did two collections of Metafiler, and the other the other thing was the Cyclops project, which was really we'll, we'll get into that in a bit probably. But that that's yeah, one that yeah, I'm, totally. I'm most excited for. So let's talk about Dreamverse. This is where you and I met last year. Just a quick summary for people who aren't familiar. Dreamverse was an event held in New York City last year that was put on by Metacovan, who was infamously the buyer of Beeple's Every Days, the first 5,000 days, which Metacovan bought at auction for $69 
million dollars. It was a physical gallery of not just graphic NFTs, but also AR, VR, and I, I would say experiential NFTs as well. They did some really interesting things actually with with that Beeple piece that he he had purchased. It was the first public debut of that piece. And Lee, you were asked along with I think nine other people to be a curator of that event, which is very cool. Congratulations. So I wonder if you could just tell us about your experience with Dreamverse and and your thoughts on it briefly, because I think there's probably a lot to talk about there. Yeah, sure. It was it was an honor. It was a very, very exciting time. And it was really good. They did it really well. I've been to quite a lot of NFT events now, and that is by far the best. They did it. They did make it artists first. It was all about the art. And I thought that that was uh, that was really cool. And uh, the, the screens were very good. And screens can be off, can be disappointing at these things. And the collection of art was just phenomenal. There was hundreds and hundreds of pieces of art from some of the very best artists in the crypto art space so yeah it was a highlight of of, of last year absolutely like a really good time yeah that was really awesome i I was really impressed with the diversity of media that they that they showcased because uh, like so much of the art that especially in the nft world we're already familiar with collecting is just two-dimensional on a screen mostly videos or gifs i would say but there were things beyond that there were ar installations there were people walking around with ipads that let you visualize things in the in the space that you were in all sorts Mm -hmm. of things so that was really cool. And in your role as curator, how how did you influence how Dreamverse came together? So we were just sort of reached out to individually by Tubador and uh, Brooke from the MetaPurse team and just said, can you choose 10 artists, anybody you like? You can also obviously put your own stuff up. We were given like a lot of time and I just sort of had this great sort of opportunity to sort of pick a bunch of artists that I felt were... Some of my favorites in the space, some of the nicest people, some of the hardest working, some are underrepresented. And, uh, you know, it was like full acceptance. It was like, whoever you want, just to, just give us the names. We'll do all the rest. They made it very easy. And so it's nice to sort of like have play a part, like sort of 10% of the show was my, were artworks that I'd chosen, as well as some of my own as well. And who were some of those people that you selected? They were, uh, uh, let me think, A.L. Drago, who's on the board behind me. Oh, very Lucas- cool. Yep. Lucas Aguirre, one of them, I think. He does uh, virtual reality artwork. Jason Duckmanton, Rosie Summers, who's a VR artist, and only done a handful of things in the NFT space. Her piece was up there as well. I was curating three shows at the same time at this point. That was the big one, and then there was the Cyclops one, and then there was the one for First Dibs as well in New York. So yeah, so there was a, there was a bunch of people, but I don't want to get the names wrong now. So yeah, sure, sure, totally. We, I won't press you on that. <laughs> I just wanted to uh, hear some of the people that you had selected for for that show. Well, there was uh, an unfortunate episode that happened at Dreamverse, which I wanted uh, to hear from you. And that was that actually one of your physical artworks was stolen from Dreamverse, which I found shocking. So could you tell us what was that piece and what was the physical aspect of it that you had on display? Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was the Basilisk. It was the auction, the one of one, that was part of the Nifty Gateway drop during those two days. It was a physical 3D printed piece. I sculpted it in virtual reality. It was a, a cobra, I suppose, with an augmented reality head. What that meant was that it was 3D printed and then it was literally electroplated in gold. Like it was a gold plated sculpture. And, um, it was, it was very hard to make. 
harder than you might think. It was it was a tough call. It was a lot of back and forth and a lot of areas and things like that to get it to get it to New York on time. And it got to New York like two days before the event, and I hadn't seen it because I'd only seen like a, a failed prototype. So this was a one of one, both in the metaverse and in real life. You only produced a single. Yeah, I've, re- I've re- yeah. remade it since because, of course, well, sure. we'll get to that. But like, yeah, so, so it, what, what, what's funny about it and 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 weird is that it looks like something that gets stolen in like Indiana Jones. Like it looks like a, it's, it's like it looks like an ancient Egyptian artifact. It's like a golden cobra. It's got a magic. You point your phone at it and it comes alive and it plays music. I used a friend of mine made some art using actual water and light to make a cinematic animation. Which he, which he made by putting a thimble of water on a speaker and playing music. And, and so it was a video loop for the face. It's hard to explain without sort of showing it. but And then it was music made by a collaborator of mine, Varian, Nikki. She made the music. So there was three of us involved. I arrived at Dreamverse on the morning of the event. I wasn't allowed in before then to check the sort of presentation. I'd asked for it not to be put in a case because it was interactive, but it was also sort of just like left on a table. I, I feel like... I was naive, you know, I was naive not to say this needs to be out of reach somehow or, or I need to be with it all night or someone needs to be with it all night or whatever. Um, and of course, it, right, because- it turned, turned from a gallery into a club night very abruptly and suddenly yes. everything changed. And I was a few drinks in and I was mingling and chatting to people. And then before I knew it, it had gone and it was crushing. Then it was funny. And then everyone thought it was amazing. It was like, this is perfect. Like you've had a heist. Meta heist became the hashtag for a night, um, oh and, it was, and it was all exciting. And people were saying like, "We're gonna, we're gonna bid on it. We're gonna make it. You know, this is this is kind of perfect." Then people were accusing me of doing it to, to, like deliberately as well. Oh, classic! Like as if as if I, as if I would do that. And the- Just to explain here, so you're saying it turned into a club night because actually the venue for Dreamverse was at Terminal Five, which is actually a large concert venue in New York City, and what was an art gallery during the afternoon actually turned into an EDM concert at night. I think Alessa was headlining. It was a great show. But also, I think by this point, like, I guess you hadn't sold this piece, but like, it was about to be sold. This drop was about to launch. And so you had to deliver it. So when someone stole it, you were... You didn't have this thing to deliver. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So in retrospect, it's kind of ridiculous because like, but on that night, an image of the basilisk was being projected on the side of a building in Times Square. Like it was this huge, oh my God. huge projection of this, like huge one of one NFT available at Dreamverse, you know, MetaGhost and everything. And it had a working AR thing and everything. And it was really cool. So it was elevated on the outside. And then it was just like on a table in the corner and with not much light on it, like in, in the nightclub. And then, of course, it was nicked. Like, of course, it was done. But yeah, so and then the auction was the next day. So I was like, well, it's stolen, but actually all of the value lies in the NFT, really. And as long as the buyer gets the NFT, then I will recreate it. And I actually recreated and made a much nicer one. Went to a different plater and got one that was even better than the original. And we and we put weights in it. But basically, the, the one that the, the buyer got in the end was was an improvement on the one that was stolen. But I also, as a as a sort of like like literally a middle finger to the thieves i changed the ar on the stolen one so that if they tried to use it they just got an image of me with my middle finger up instead of the artwork that was supposed to show (laughs) and i also found out 
I got a notification months later that the stolen one was being used on uh, New Year's Eve. Someone someone triggered the original QR oh code. Oh my so, god! And it's still being used somewhere, but there's no um, lo- location data available because it's only one like one use for some reason, and I can't get any more news than that. So somewhere in the black market or in a bin or somewhere in New York, there's a there's a, there's the, the original basilisk, and it's yeah. It's wow, you know, someone was like throwing a New Year's Eve party and and showing off that yeah that exactly and like oh here's a photo of it in Times Square on a building yeah yeah, yeah. no it's mine <laughs> and, then, and then he tries to show it and it's just like a middle figure to himself <laughs> yeah and, and ultimately they, they don't have the nft so i mean if yeah you know, if, if, the, if the if the future goes as well as i hope it does then maybe i'll become a bigger and bigger name and the, and the stolen one will have some value but at the moment like the value lies in the in the re in the new the second one and in the nft Totally. Yeah, that's that's that really is a lost Indiana Jones artifact now. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think someone saw it as like worth stealing? And I, I guess to me, like it's such an interesting reflection on the the difference in perceived value between NFTs and physical items, because here you're saying that you say as the artist that, you know, the real value is actually the one of one NFT that it's attached to. And this is like an important component, but you've actually been able to switch it so that, you know, the, it's supposed to work the way it's supposed to work and you've been able to reproduce the physical. So I don't know. Have you thought about like why someone thought that stealing it would be beneficial to them or cool or what are your thoughts on that yeah a lot i think about it all the time like like it could just be in someone just like knocked it into their bag and left because it was funny could be i i I honestly thought that somebody on the night because everyone was so excited about this the theft i thought maybe someone's done this and then they're gonna buy it and they're just like boosting the value of this maybe it's a bit of a play like that oh my god yeah what if it's one of my friends who did it as a joke because there was quite a few of my mates there did it as a joke and then when they saw people go this is amazing thought oh we'll just keep it hidden but then no one's ever come back um (laughs) a secret benefactor yeah yeah i just thought like (laughs) they're like they'll talk about this on podcast forever it's gonna be great (laughs) exactly exactly yeah 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 um i don't know i think it's it's disappointing basically it's just like i i you know i can't imagine ever doing anything like that so i I do think it's quite sad but the concept is what made it valuable to me what made it interesting was that it was a mixed reality artifact it was both digital and real and i actually love the fact that the original was stolen now after going on a bit of an emotional roller coaster about the whole thing it's like severely up and down you know at the time now it's just like it is it's part of what the basilisk is now it's part of that provenance right and it's Mm -hmm. a it's a really incredible story i know if i had an nft with a story as dramatic as as that that would that'd be more valuable to me um, I I didn't steal the basilisk. I just want to say on record, I, I, yeah, it, it know, was not me. I was not involved in these plans. Yeah, I've had you know, I, I really I've questioned everybody. It's really bad. Like, I just you, you do yeah, like oh, in, your, no. in your darkest hours, just like like it could have been them. It could have been them. Um, yeah, I, I I think I'd rather not know now. I think it, you know, it, unless unless there's something really yeah. interesting about it, and it's just going to be an anticlimax when I find out that someone sells yeah, it on true. eBay for fifty quid next week. Like. <laughs> let's talk about the metaphyla series and this is one of the ones that i have i'm so interested in this series because it it has a narrative arc so why don't you tell us about the metaphyla series yeah 
when I, I saw this NFT thing happening, I wanted to take an opportunity to do something I'd always wanted to do and, and give myself a fresh start. I really wanted to get into 3D. I'd only done VR stuff. I'd never done any 3D modeling at any point until Metafire, basically. And you can kind of tell they're kind of like, you know, naive and kind of li- little ropey things, but I'd never used rendering software. I'd never used, I'd never textured stuff before, anything like that. So I started with simple organisms as well, because I'm fascinated by evolution, simulation theory, the metaverse, digital spaces, or digital augments of any kind. The fact that we are already digital sort of cyborgs in a sense. So I thought that I would start my story with the basis of evolution. So I was inspired by the Cambrian explosion when isopods, animals with eyes and legs and things started to evolve. And I thought this is like the start of the metaverse and I'm going to make some little creatures, a little bit of a nod to early life forms. And they will evolve over time. So the first series of metaphors is these eight weird little creatures. Mm. So the idea is that I'm a conduit for the metaverse of the future. <laughs> and and those that's what they became. They've all got little names. I've, I've got a lot of love for all of them. And, and then I did another drop called Metamorphosis where I show, show them evolving. And then the second series, each of the characters in the second series, of eight of them, is a, an evolutionary step up from the first lot. And now I'm at the third stage where four of those are now at their fourth level of evolution. So like Soothsayer, which was the piece that I dropped while I was at Dreamverse, which is one of my favourite pieces, which is this really strange sort of humanoid creature with kind of like a golden crown around his head and stuff. He's actually the splinter bug. So the idea is like there was a teratoma and then there's the splinter bug and then he became the Soothsayer. And so I've got these eight, wow. eight little strands, eight little strands of evolution that I just will continue. <laughs> the temple hermit, who was a hermit crab, and then he became a temple. Uh-huh. And now he's like a fully immersive metaverse space that you can put your artwork up inside. He's become a gallery. He was sold for 10 grand at auction off, uh, on the Monoverse platform. So he started off as this little crab. Wow, congratulations. <laughs> so he started off as a little crab and now he's a gallery and, and you can put your artwork inside the gallery. And at the moment, he's got all of his little brothers and sisters as giant floating sculptures inside his main room on his back. Oh, that's cool. In space. So that's yeah, cool. it's all about this evolution so, thing. Can you tell us about the Cyclops? That's such an interesting piece. And I know you've got interesting plans for that one as well. So, so what is the Cyclops? So the Cyclops is a 3D printed sculpture. And uh, it's got an augmented reality sort of uh, marker on the front, a, a little radial augmented language thing that I tri- like a design. There's three different ones. So it's a little sphere. It's a physical object. A QR code yeah. that looks like an eye. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It looks like a steampunk baseball robot eye. So <laughs> it sits on your desk and you and the idea is that there's 21 Cyclops owners. I wanted to make these for years, but there was never a market for them. Like, how was I going to sell these things? I did not know. So as soon as I got into NFTs, I was always going to actually make Cyclops happen. I thought it was going to be years down the line, to be honest. But then I started collaborating with a 3D printer down the road from me. And then an old friend who had access to some excellent equipment. So these were cast in bronze. This is like a real, like real bronze. Um, oh, my God. And it's like a resin bronze. So it's like 50% bronze, 50% resin with a patina on it. And then there was an actual gold leaf one with real gold leaf as well but it was a huge success they've sold really quickly they sold why everyone's really happy i've got 21 collectors and then every every so often i would send an email to the collectors and they go to their cyclops they bring their phone they open up uh, an app and then they just check out the artwork that's delivered to them so it's like it's like a curated exhibition of 3d art from inside a sculpture and uh, explain that how are they seeing different art in relation to the cyclops 
they just loaded up Snapchat, pointed it at the Cyclops and then got the artwork. If they clicked the artwork, it would open a link. So sometimes it was a free NFT for them. Sometimes it's NFT like available for them to purchase. Change it periodically, sort of every week or every couple of weeks, whenever a new piece was available. I spoke to Trippy Yogi, Sutu, Coldy, a bunch of quite big names in the NFT space. They all supplied art to me. So it was a way of introducing new artists to new collectors who were serious collectors. And then some of them, one of them was an audio, like a bespoke made three track album like ep of music made specifically for the cyclops owners and given away for free so like months of work went into that one and so we got a, a friend of mine made a doom metal track for the hierophant drop that the cyclops was part of and then two other artists made these really cool electric electronic remixes of those tracks and there's like 21 copies of it and they're only owned by the cyclops owners so it is a way of curating an exclusive digital art show through a physical sculpture that i don't think had been done before or since but. totally it- yeah, and, and so just to reiterate that, so these people who, only the people who have the physical item in front of them, which were associated with NFTs, so you sold the NFTs on Nifty Gateway, you sent the physical items to the holders of those NFTs, mm-hmm. so they now have this bronze cast item with a QR code in front of them on their desks, and then they get an email from you telling them, hey, check your app, there's something new here, and then they point their phone at the QR code on this eye, and they see something new. They might see some different 3D models from yourself or from one of these artists that you've collaborated with. So now you've you've delivered them, you know, digital artwork that is actually specifically for them. And that that's so interesting what you were talking about, how essentially you created a new a new gate. Cause cause I'm so fascinated by the way that people are using NFTs as a way to gate access to different things. And typically we see that with like Discord channels, right? Like you buy an NFT and then through a bot you are granted access to a private Discord server. But there's there's so many more possibilities here. And I'd never considered that actually you found a physical way to do that. That's really amazing. It's a portal. It's your own little private portal. The, the collectors really do appreciate it, which is really nice. The Cyclops has dropped exactly one year ago today. Wow. Today's the anniversary of the Cyclops. So I've emailed everybody this morning and I've just sort of given them some hints as to what's coming next. And I'm doing a Nifty Gateway drop where the, the the pieces in the drop are free only for Cyclops owners. And they're like some of my best work. It's it's a real step up in terms wow. of the fidelity of the artwork. And they're going, they're just going to be free and, they, and they're gifted to, to, to the 21 Cyclops owners. So is that gifted to the holders of the physical items or the NFTs? It has to be the NFTs because it's the only way Nifty Gateway can sort of, you know, prove it. Really. Okay, sure. So I wanted to you to ask about your history because while we were talking at Dreamverse, you told me about how you had originally gotten into VR and what you were doing before that. And I wondered if you could just speak to the role that NFTs have played in your career, what you were doing before and why it made so much sense to pursue NFTs when they came along. Well, I think like a lot of graphic designers and commercial illustrators, I always just dreamt of just being able to earn a living from making my own weird artwork. And I saw that unfolding in the NFT space just over two years ago now. It was like February 2020. And it felt like a dream come true. And it did. It panned out better than I could have ever had imagined. And what was it that when you heard about NFTs that spoke to you? Was it the idea of scarcity? How did you see that applying to the work that you were already doing? Well, I was making VR sculptures and VR environments that had no market whatsoever. There was no way of selling that. Like who was going to buy that? But once it was shown that people were interested in scarce rare digital items, it suddenly became a lot more feasible. But essentially it was like, I always wanted to 
use virtual reality tools to make my own artwork and didn't know how I was going to sell them unless I was just going to make prints of them or, or whatever. Like you couldn't sell a video of an experience. Yeah, what do you do with that? Insofar as you were able to sell them or get someone to pay you for uh, making artwork, how were you doing that before NFTs came along? So I ended up becoming this like huge ambassador for, for VR art tools to the point where I was doing talks at universities and running workshops, basically introducing people to VR tools. And it was paying the bills just about, but it wasn't really, it wasn't great. I'd sort of like just chucked all of my time and effort into it. I bought very expensive equipment. I bought a 3D printer as well. And I was in debt actually, and a little bit worried, starting to become worried. And then NFTs just pulled me out of that. Right. It it sounds like you were mostly selling your services because there wasn't actually so much of a market for the products. And obviously when you're selling services, um, that's something that doesn't scale. You can't, you've only got so much time and so much physical presence, right? So it sounds like it really filled a hole for for the kind of art that you create or wanted to create. Mm -hmm. So uh, I've got a silly little game to, to play with you called Tired or Inspired. I'm going to throw a word at you and I just want you to say whether to you that thing is tired or inspired. Oh, Easy okay. enough? All right. Yeah, I'm both right now. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel that. All right. Uh, first up, VR gaming. Um, <laughs> in, I would say inspired. I think it's got a long way to go, but it's a very broad subject. So, uh, it, yeah, there's there's, okay. there's some games that work really well, and I don't think people are going to be spending like all day in an MMO in VR anytime soon. Virtual land worlds or oh, virtual real estate model tired. Virtual worlds inspired. Oh, very good. Very good. I like that. My boyfriend would have a lot to say on that subject of of virtual real estate. (laughs) Yep. Uh, NFT avatar projects, profile picture projects. Oh, um, uh, tired, but I don't think they're going to go away anytime soon. It's a very easy thing to to understand. Okay. Instagram. (laughs) Hanging in there, but tired. Zuckerberg. (laughs) Oh God! <laughs> uh, hardwired. <laughs> Twitter. Um, uh, oh, it's, it, it, Twitter's been amazing. Like that's where NFT community lives, and I think it's inspired. I don't know how how it's going to change over the next twelve months. Or so that's going to be interesting. But yeah. so you know, my next one is Elon Musk. Oh God, my opinion of him changes every day. Like it flips the screen. Like, and I'm just like, I watch an interview when they're talking about the things he's actually building, and him and his team are building, and it's just like inspired. And then he just like, I don't know, like he's a maverick, isn't he? So he pisses me off as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, yep. he's tired and inspired, yeah. depending on his mood. His mood. <laughs> Maybe hardwired <laughs> I, I too. Love, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, you know, I love, I love it. I love, I love the idea of like a thousand ships going to Mars in my lifetime, which is what he's planning on doing. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, people need to be thinking like that. And I love that, and that's inspirational. Mm-hmm. But he's also like a massive troll, and he and he, and he annoys me. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, uh, roadmaps. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Tired mostly. I don't. I've I've watched a hundred roadmaps not be fulfilled, and a lot of promises not be like fulfilled. And I think like this is why I focus on artists because they're the roadmap. That's what you need to know because generally artists just have to be doing it because just to stay happy, they will always yeah. create. So 
that's yeah so roadmaps generally tired but i think we're gonna we'll have to see who delivers on on their roadmaps and some of the big big players are just not going to i just don't think they're going to especially metaverse stuff people don't realize how hard it is to make a game like Mm -hmm. nft galleries oh inspired i think even an nft get a gallery on a flat screen in a website is a great way of elevating art but i want to see more physical galleries do a better job of displaying their nfts like elevating them in such a way that they deserve because at the moment most real world galleries are kind of tired and aren't really making the most of projectors and ar and you know that sort of stuff so yeah tired in the real world inspired in the digital world and i think there's there's a space in between there that's going to really flourish soon new york city pizza <laughs> inspired <laughs> first thing we did first thing we did when we arrived after two weeks in Barbados was get like a really huge dirty greasy pizza up over the road from the hotel and it was absolutely broken but it was just like oh, <laughs> holy grail we'd, we'd arrived <laughs> we sat on the steps of the hotel eating that giant greasy like we had we had better pizza after that but that pizza was special <laughs> yes yes it always is. All right. So what's next from you? What should people look out for from you soon? Yeah, the drop that's going to be gifts for the Cyclops is going to be like the first instance of a much larger story that I want to tell with these new creatures. And I'm really excited about that. I'm doing a collaboration with Varian, Nikki, that, who did the sound for the Basilisk. Shout out Varian. That's like a, a really cool looping piece as part of a group show. And uh, she's got some really sort of really cool artists as part of that show. But I don't want to drop any names at the moment because it's a bit early days. But it looks like it's going to be amazing. And what else? There's another thing. Oh, God. So again, I can't say the name of the event because it's not definitely happening yet. But I've been asked and I'm in the middle of quoting for 400 Cyclopses for a huge crypto event this year. And that's working, hopefully, with Monaverse on, like, physicals. And so that's that's potentially huge, but it's just slow moving because it's big. Oh, yeah, there's another big, big thing where I'm working with, like, a, a traditional fintech investment firm on an iPhone app. They want some creative direction and some artwork NFTs for that. And that's, like, that looks like it's going to be huge as well. Yeah, so I got, like, these big projects about to start and a lot of sketches and a lot of art that I want to do this year as well. If everything that's lined up now happens, then I'm done for the year already. Like, I'm I'm fully booked, like, until the end of the year. I'm curating a show for First Dibs as well in August. It's going to be, like, a, a year after the first one I did for them, which was a really cool uh, exhibition that I worked with them on. But, yeah, quite, quite a lot of stuff. Very cool. Where can people find you online? Yeah, so Nifty Gateway and Super Rare and Maker's Place and Rareable and OpenSea and object and Tezos. <laughs> and it's metagrace everywhere so it's easy to find and it's like the only use of the word so you can google metagrace and you won't find anything else so it's just basically all my weird creepy logo and all my artwork and yeah and that's it yeah instagram i'm gonna get back into doing stories on instagram um, i haven't been using it lately but i do like enjoy that for behind the scenes stuff but it's all really it's all on twitter awesome yeah Actually. and cool. of course while you guys are rating social media, uh, go ahead and give me a follow as well. Niftiest, N-I-F-T-Y-I-S-T, everywhere. Lee, thank you so much for coming on the show. What a great conversation. really appreciate it. Really enjoyable. I appreciate being asked. Yes, I, I'm so glad to have you as the uh, inaugural guest because it's just been uh, so great. And I think it's a very auspicious start. And I would be remiss if I didn't put out a call to subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already, go ahead and rate it. And a review would be amazing as well. Thank you so much, Lee. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll catch you next time on the Niftiest Podcast.
Thank you. See you later. Bye.